And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, everybody. It is a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, Ian Mendes, Sean McIndoo uh, with you on this day. And hey, since it's Thanksgiving Thursday and a holiday for our friends south of the border, we wanted to do something a little bit fun, a little bit different with the podcast today. And look, we've got Black Friday and Cyber Monday on the horizon. So we thought, what if we did a whole show, a whole episode centered on deals? like the best deals that are out there because that's what people are thinking as you get into uh, Thanksgiving in the U.S., right, Sean? And I need to know before we kick off our deal-related show, is Down Goes Brown like a a Cyber Monday, Black Friday, aggressive shopper, even online? Even online? No, well, only online. I'm I'm not getting out of bed early to go charge into a Walmart to get... uh, get $20 off a DVD player. I no, you know what? I even just recently bought something uh and I was and after I hit purchase and you know everything I was like, you know, if I'd waited one week, I probably would have gotten a great deal on that, but I I don't. So I'm not a big deal guy, which makes me uh I would fit in well with today's modern NHL GMs because they're also not really big deal makers, not like they used to be. So I think the concept here is, look, people are going to go out, they're going to look for deals, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, some of them might be great deals. Some of them might be deals that you kind of look back and regret a little bit and go, you know what, didn't need that, didn't need to do that. And uh, NHL history is filled with both. And so uh, we thought we could uh, kind of play a little bit of one if, maybe undo some history uh, and see where that would lead and uh, help dig some teams out of maybe some mistakes that they made or maybe nudge them into doing something that we wish that they had done. 
You know, I, I like the fact that you said, you know, I'm not going to rush into Walmart to get $20 off a DVD player. And all yeah, I can think timely of is, reference. Yeah, I feel like most general managers in the NHL are the ones that would be rushing out to buy DVDs, uh, DVD players, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Lou Lamarillo is out there looking for a phonograph and just yeah. uh, well, demanding I, I, to speak to the manager. Oh, see, I, I was going to go laser disc with Lou, but you went right back to the phonograph. That's right. Yeah. All right. So deals. Listen, I like the I, I like the what if game. Okay. And uh, when we're talking about deals, so why don't we start with this? I'll ask you off the top here. If you could hit the old, uh, what is it? Control. What, what's the undo? Uh, control yeah, Z. Con, con- Control, control, uh, control Z. First oh, of all, Z. you can go to you can go to wow. the Tuesday show if you're going to drop control. I, Z I do, I do say Z uh, and not Z. Uh, okay, all right. Know. Okay. So, so okay. So, what's Zdeno Chara? What's Zdeno Chara's yeah. nickname to you? He's he when he crosses the border, he's the big Z. That's uh, and you know it's <laughs> yeah exactly and well the big Z. So wait and listen, that's one of those classic. I've already Zidane insulted Lou Lamorello and Zidane Chara. Islander fans are not the most chipper, forgiving bunch. I feel like this is going to go really badly for me. Well, this, this whole it's I hope ah, it's okay. Nobody in America is listening. It's fine. And, and you know, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. But you know, it's funny is that the Islanders would be at the top of the list of teams that would like to hit the old Control Z or Control Z. Sorry. Uh, for undoing a trade, right? They they've had a whole bunch in their history. Whether it's Chara. Or whether it's, uh, you know, Roberto Luongo and um, uh, Ole Jokinen getting traded. Like, there's a bunch. But if I ask you, you could go back and undo one trade in history. What is uh, what is Sean McIndoe undoing? Well, I mean, look, I'm a Leafs fan. So I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of ground to work with here. <laughs> and But I, I'm going to pick a, a trade that I'm going to undo. And it is a Leafs trade, and it is a bad Leafs trade. But I'm not just doing it because selfishly I want my team to to get a better result. Because I I have lots of options. I could go back and undo Rask for Raycroft, put Tuka Rask in a Leafs uniform for the last 15 years. There's a bunch of other ones that uh, that I could do. But instead, I'm going to focus on a trade that I just think is really interesting if you unravel it. And that trade is uh, the Tom Kerber's trade uh, that the Maple Leafs made. Famously, uh, in uh, in October of 1989, and if people have read my stuff, if you follow me, going all the way back to the Grantland years, you've you've seen me write a piece on this, um, and uh, and you're going to rehear it here. But Tom Curvers was a very good offensive defenseman in the 80s and and into the 90s, uh, and at the time he was playing for the New Jersey Devils and the Toronto Maple Leafs at the beginning of the 1989-90 season. Made a trade where they acquired him from the New Jersey Devils for their first round pick in 1991. Okay, so they're trading the pick a year ahead. Now, that turns out to be important. And as, as a lot of fans would tell you, trading your first round pick years into the future never works out well. Uh, and it didn't here for the Leafs because the Leafs in 89-90 were a pretty good team. But 1991 was the Eric Lindros draft. And everybody kind of went, ooh. Wait a second, did you just trade your first round pick in the Lindros draft? This is the, the most hyped prospect since Mario Lemieux. And the Leafs said, no, no, it's okay. We're good now. And they were pretty good in 8990. They finished 500, only time in the Ballard era, made the playoffs. Uh, so they were a pretty good team. 
The 1990-91 season comes around and the Leafs are just terrible out of the gate. They start off 1-9-1. The coach gets fired. They're trading guys away. It's an absolute disaster. And they look around and they go, oh my God, we don't have our first round pick. We traded it away. We may have just traded away Eric Lindros. Well, as we know, that's not actually what happened. The Leafs didn't trade away the Lindros pick. It ended up being the third overall pick. Devils take Scott Niedermeyer. He's a great player. Franchise player, they go on to win multiple Stanley Cups with him. And people will look back on Tom Krubers and they'll say, that's the trade that cost the Leafs Scott Niedermeyer. And my argument is, no, it's not. Actually, that's the trade that cost the Leafs Eric Lindros because the two worst teams in the league that year were the Leafs and the Nordiques. And they were kind of looking at each other like, wait a second, one of us has our first round pick and one of us doesn't. And there's this franchise player hanging out there for the first overall pick. And you got this weird tank battle where the Nordiques were tanking and the Maple Leafs were basically anti-tanking, for lack of a better term, where <laughs> they were just doing everything they could to, to just not finish dead last to the point where late in the season, when the two teams were still neck and neck, they ended up making a trade with each other where the Nordiques traded three pretty good veteran players, three of their only good veteran players off their roster to the Maple Leafs for picks and prospects. So the Nordiques got worse. The Leafs got better. Nordiques end up getting the first overall pick. San Jose, the expansion team, gets number two. That was already locked in. And the Leafs get number three. Now, obviously, I'd love as a Leaf fan to just have that trade never happen and give the Leafs Lindros or Niedermeyer or whoever. But let's just say the Leafs don't make that trade. They tank. They finish last. They get Eric Lindros. Think about all the ways that other parts of the next few decades of NHL history start to unravel. Like, for example, most obviously, Lindros doesn't go to Quebec. He doesn't refuse to put the jersey on. You don't have him sitting out for a year. He would have been thrilled to go to Toronto. And then you don't get the double trade to the Rangers and the Flyers. So you don't get that whole controversy <laughs> with Quebec. Quebec probably ends up with Niedermeyer because uh, they would be picking third. Um, take that away. Okay, so now Philadelphia doesn't have Eric Lindros, but they do have Peter Forsberg. So what does Philadelphia do with Peter Forsberg. Does he end up going to Philadelphia and staying there and, you know, playing his, his whole career? Does he end up getting traded somewhere else? Well, hold that thought a second because Philadelphia ended up trading him for Lindros because they wanted a number one center. There was another number one center who became available during that 91-92 season when Eric Lindros would have been a rookie back then uh, playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Doug Gilmore's in Calgary going, I want out of here. Do the Maple Leafs go after Doug Gilmore if they've already got their franchise center in Eric Lindros? Probably not. So where does Doug Gilmore end up going? Does he maybe go to Philadelphia? Is there a Peter Forsberg deal there? You know, Calgary gets suddenly gets a Hall of Famer instead of getting Gary Lehman for their guy. There's a lot of ways it could work out. Meanwhile, Quebec, if Niedermeyer comes in, is he a piece? Remember, they they ultimately rebuilt through the Lindros trade, but they didn't get anything out of Eric Lindros himself. Forsberg didn't come over for a couple years. Maybe Niedermeyer's the piece that turns it around. And, and if he does, even if he makes the Nordiques just a little bit better, let's just say the Nordiques, based on having Scott Niedermeyer, I'm not going to say he saves the franchise, but let's say they just stick around in Quebec one more year. Now they're not in Colorado for that 95-96 season. That means there's no Patrick Waugh trade because Montreal's not trading him to Quebec Nordiques. There's no chance. Where does Patrick Waugh end up? You just go down the list of all of these famous trades and they all kind of link back to Eric Lindros, and none of them happen if Eric Lindros is sitting on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs roster instead of being a Quebec Nordique in limbo waiting to get traded. And it's all because of this 
dumb, horrible trade they made of, of sending Tom Curvis to the New Jersey Devils. And by the way, we're not even talking about what happens to the Devils if they don't get Scott Niedermeyer. Remember, they right. don't even have the high pick now. Do they win the Stanley Cup? And if they don't win the Stanley Cup, and, and this is where I went in the article, and, and Devils fans, cover your ears, because this this got a little bit uh, uncalled for, I'll admit. You know, you get to 94, 95, 96, the Devils still haven't won a cup. At some point, are they looking at Lou Lamorello saying, hey, this guy hasn't won anything for us. Let's get him out of here. Let's get somebody in to run this organization. You know, he's not some college guy like Lamorello. Let's get a, a guy who's available, who really knows the area. He's got a, you know, a history in New York, all this stuff. Well, you know who was available around 95, 96 looking for a front office job? Guy by the name of Mike Milbury. Maybe he ends up taking over the New Jersey Devils in the mid-90s instead of letting Lou Lamorello uh, ride it out with the championship roster. I not That's nightmare fuel for Devils fans. I get that. But uh, it, luckily, that's all it has to be because we never found out uh, what ended up happening. But all trace back to that terrible, terrible Tom Curvers trade that ends up accidentally pretty much rewriting all of NHL history for most of the 90s. Oh, man. And in, in this, in we're only like 10 minutes into this podcast. You've already angered Devils fans yep. and Islanders fans. Yep. I'm waiting. At some point, I'm sure you're going to draw the ire of Rangers fans. Oh, we got more. Yeah, don't worry. Gonna, we, we, we got tons. We're, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got a what if for you that from back in the day, like if I could go back and look, I grew up in Vancouver, so I'm, I, I wasn't a Canucks fan, but I always thought to myself, what would the Vancouver Canucks have looked like with Cam Neely? Like, remember, oh, yeah. Cam Neely was kind of this raw, you know, he he scored 50 goals for Vancouver in, in over the course of whatever, three years. But, yeah, like, yeah. you know, he he was a, um, a power forward, like, in training, right? And so mm-hmm. they package him off and a first-round pick, which then later becomes Glenn Wesley, by the way, uh, for uh, Barry Peterson. And all I can think of, because you know me with we'll go down the what if tree like you did. Um, how would the '94 Stanley Cup have played out if the Vancouver Canucks had Trevor Linden, Pavel Bure, and you know all Jeff Court and all those guys? But Cam Neely, like, w- w- would the Vancouver Canucks have beaten the Rangers in the Stanley Cup in 1994? If they, and maybe Cam, you know Cam Neely probably maybe never gets the Elf Samuelson knee. Or all the stuff that happened and that kind of eroded his career. What would the Canucks have been like with Cam Neely in the '90s? And would they have? Would we have not heard about the '94 Rangers if Cam Neely is on that Canucks team? I, I think okay. it's worth asking. You know what? You said I was going to take off Rangers fans. Now you've done it. Yeah. Now we've got uh, <laughs> exactly. I've done Cam, it. Cam Neely's out there. Uh, yeah. Let's. I mean, we we can go even further down the. Down the rabbit hole there, right? Like maybe Pavel Bure doesn't have to deal with so much garbage if he's got Cam Neely, uh, you, you know, is going to be uh, out there uh, riding shotgun for him. That that would be great. The, the Gwent, you, you mentioned the first round pick ended up being Glenn Wesley. Um, you know, Glenn Wesley was a real good player, but that, that pick was third overall. Yeah. So they ended up trading away, you know, again, like, like the Leafs, it ended up being the third overall pick and it wasn't that 87 draft wasn't a great one, but it's another one of those cases where you might look at it and say, okay, if the Canucks knew that they had their own pick, do they maybe approach that, that 86-87 season? They made this trade in the offseason, so they thought they were going to be better. If they still had their first-round pick, maybe they go in the tank a little bit more. The top two picks in that draft, Pierre Turgeon and Brendan Shanahan. So 
Right. Let's imagine that the, the Canucks finish <laughs> a, one place worse and they drop Brandon Shanahan. Now you got Brandon Shanahan and Cam Neely on the same team. Yeah. With the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, oh my goodness, that would have been just uh, talk about a team built for the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, boy, that would have been something else. It's, I, I mean, I know it's, I feel like I feel okay ticking off Islanders, Devils, Rangers fans. Like they're all, those teams are all some degree of, of okay right now. I feel like we're really kicking the uh, Canucks fans when they're oh, down right now. But, yeah. uh, and I know they've, they've heard about the the Cam Neely trade so many times, but it's, it's impossible. Not, and, and look, Barry Peterson was a real good player uh, at the time. Like, 100 point it, it's, guy, right? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, you know, he had some enormous seasons, you know, granted in in a time when uh, there, there were a lot of those happening in the, in the, in the 80s, but uh, just uh, never ended up being that guy again. And, uh, it, and obviously it, it ended up being just a disaster of a trade for the Canucks. Uh, One of the very worst in, in history. And Cam Neely, by the way, if, if people are wondering, he was like a ninth overall pick. So it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you, you got a guy in the fifth round and you don't think he's going to be that guy and, and then he ends up uh, doing it somewhere else. And uh, OK, what can you do? No, Cam Neely was a top prospect. He was expected to be a, a real good player and they just didn't have the patience to to wait him out. You know, and, and another deal I always think about, too, that if you could hit the old, uh, you know, undo button on. Winnipeg trading Tamu Solani to Anaheim. Um, now. That happened in Winnipeg's last year, but we, okay, we can agree on this, right? Like that deal happened in February of 96. Like the Jets were gone, right? Like if they hang on to Timu Solani, yeah. they don't stay in Winnipeg, right? Like that's fair no. to say? Okay. No, and in fact, they had been, they were almost gone in 95 and they had sort of gotten the, the one-year reprieve, uh, but they, they, were, they were done. But what I never understood is that like they knew they were done. Like why trade the guy when... He could have gone to to Arizona. Like, I guess my my point is, I wonder what life would have been like if Tamu Solani was in Arizona. Like, we never get Korea Solani, that which is one of the great yep. uh, one-two combos of all time. Uh, you know, I know Solani left, but then you know he came back to the Ducks and was a huge part of them winning his Stanley Cup in two thousand seven. Uh, I think you can make the argument uh, he's the greatest Duck of all time. Although you know Ryan Getzloff is certainly in that conversation. You know, Korea is in that conversation, but. Like I want, like I guess my question is, if the Jets moved to Arizona, but they got Tamu Solani with them in the '90s, does that change things for you for for hockey in Arizona? Yeah, maybe. I mean that that's always the thing when you look at Arizona and, and some of the other teams that have struggled. Is is it the market or is it the team's lack of success? And yeah, Tamu Solani back then, I mean, he was there was certainly a dip. I mean, he when he came in as a rookie, he was unbelievable. And he sort of later in his career had that resurgence as his lovable guy. And, uh, you know, he wasn't quite there yet then. So maybe he doesn't move the needle all that much. But, it, you know, it couldn't, couldn't hurt. It was a weird situation because, uh, you know, Solani didn't want to go. That's the other interesting thing. Like, he, it wasn't, this wasn't like so many other 90s trades where it was a star who was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Get to, you know, uh, move me. And, and teams just had to, to do what they could. It was it was just a case where they didn't feel like they could afford him, and maybe Arizona wouldn't have been able to either. Do you want to hear a good what if trade? And I'll yeah. throw this one out there. And, and this is I want to be clear here because you know some of the stuff we're going to talk about. I want to be clear on like what what was actually close to happening, what was just a rumor, what was reported, and and this one was definitely falls much more into the rumor category. But 
at the beginning of that 95-96 season, like training camp, uh, the Jets were already exploring trading Timu Solani. And one of the teams that was interested was the Hartford Whalers. And the Hartford Whalers apparently went, you know, came knocking, asking for Timu Solani, and they were told, uh, we're only doing the trade if it's Chris Pronger coming back. And that, you know, Chris Pronger, that was the the Hartford had had soured on him, and this was right around the time he gets traded to St. Louis for Brendan Shanahan. But apparently, according to reports at the time, there were at least conversations about would you do Chris Pronger for Timu Solani? And what kind of a blockbuster would have that been? And and you know, Timu, what is what happens if Timu Solani goes to Hartford? Can he do it? Can he can he get them going there? <laughs> that means Brandon Shanahan's not in Hartford, which means Shanahan doesn't end up in Detroit. And you know, you go all down the list of uh, all the weird ways that works out. But that that's another fun what if on my on my list. Oh man, I can't. So now I'm I'm I'm, pick, I'm trying to even picture Tamu Solani in a Whalers jersey, and I can't. I can't do it. Yeah, like, no, it's it's it's. I mean, I it's hard to picture Chris Pronger in a Whalers jersey too these days. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's it, it's it's a strange one, but who knows? I mean, it's it's easy to look back on those teams that that moved in the '90s and say if they had gotten this one more guy, that would have saved it. Then they would have. I mean. Solani couldn't save the Jets, so I don't see why he would have saved the Whalers, but uh, it sure would have been interesting to see him out there in the, the green and white. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When you're trying to grow a business, the caliber of person you bring in to help you do that is really important. And LinkedIn makes it really easy to interview the right people for the role, quality people. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. 2.5% million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NHL show. That's linkedin.com slash NHL show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and listen, like we we did ask uh, recently, we asked some, uh, we threw this out on social media. Asking, hey, if your favorite team could hit the undo button on one trade in history, what would it be? So I'm just going to run through a couple of these uh, while we're doing the kind of the undo feature. Okay, so Ethan wrote into us and said Columbus trading for Jeff Carter, and this isn't even close. So just to, to to recap here, when Columbus got Jeff Carter, they did it at the draft, I believe, in 2011. Remember that? that That's the weekend where Philly got rid of Carter and Richards, right? It was like, mm-hmm. we can't win with these guys. 
They're dead. We got to we got to pay Ilya Brzezgalov. Yeah, eighty million, million or, a year whatever or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So to get Jeff Carter from Philly, they gave up Jake Voracek, who was a, just a terrific uh, player, but they also gave up a first round pick, who turned out to be Sean Couturier. So if you think about this, um, the gate Columbus gave up, right? They they gave up a first rounder. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was Jake the first Voracek. rounder they they knew it was the eighth overall. Like, yeah, exactly. This, they this knew wasn't the spot a future one. It was yeah, yeah they, so they knew it was going to be a good player. Didn't catch him by surprise. But uh this yeah, this was a case where I, you know, this was I think Columbus just saying we we have a chance to go get a guy who young star player, and it, we you know, we gotta do it. We, we we're the Columbus Blue Jackets, we can't keep kicking the can down the road and worry about a few years down the line. So let's trade a big chunk of our future for for a guy that uh, you know, it back at the time there were a lot of Flyers fans that were furious. There was that, and then you know they trade uh, Richards for Chen and Wayne Simmons, and you know a lot of fans are saying, "What are we doing? This is crazy." Uh, Brzezgalov obviously didn't work out, but the two trades certainly did. Uh, but I, I think it made a lot of sense for Columbus the way they were thinking. What they didn't count on was that Jeff Carter just wanted no part of being a Columbus Blue Jacket, and he. Was not very good in Columbus. Uh, you know, we can argue over whether he was sandbagging it a bit, sulking, or whether it just wasn't a good fit. Um, you know, obviously getting traded can be tough on on players. Uh, but he he ends up lasting like half the season. And then they flip him to L.A. and he goes and wins the the Stanley Cup there with, uh, uh, with Mike Richards. Um, strange story, strange turn of events. But yeah, certainly one, if you're Columbus, you... you you know, Voracek, and I mean, you got Voracek back now, but uh, you know, took took uh, took a decade. And Ishan Couturier is still still one of the better uh, two way centers in the league. You'd uh, certainly much rather have that than uh, whatever they ended up getting for Jeff Carter, which I don't think was very much. Well, no, exactly. So they got a fir- like, so they did get a first round pick back from LA for uh, Jeff Carter, but it wasn't of the same caliber as Sean Couturier, they got Marco Dano. Like they, they drafted Marco Dano who just never quite, uh, you know, yeah. found his niche in the NHL and they got defenseman Jack Johnson. So okay. th- yeah. if you think about that, you know, you lose out on, uh, Couturier, you lose out on Voracek. Uh, you kind of, you have Carter for whatever it is, four months. And in return, you get Jack Johnson and Marco Dano. Like that's, yep. Boy, when you look it's, at it that way, it's it's a pretty rough. It's it, it's a tough one. I mean, again, I get you're sitting there, you're the Columbus Blue Jackets. You've been in the league for ten years. You've never won a playoff game. You got to be sitting there. You know, you you were coming off a year where they were they they I think uh, well, I'm looking at it, 81 points, so almost almost 500. Not a great team, but you know what? You're you're in the playoff mix at that point. Uh, yeah, take your swing. But the the problem is sometimes you you take your swing, you you miss big time and. This was one of them. Okay. We got another, I wish I could undo this one. This is obviously, I think, coming in from a Habs fan and Steven who wrote to us and said, if I could undo one trade, it's acquiring Scott Gomez, giving up Ryan McDonough. Yep. That's, uh, that's definitely another one that uh, has, has kind of lived in infamy a little bit because Ryan McDonough, real good player drafted by the Canadians. I don't believe ever played for them. Uh, but he goes over in, in that Scott Gomez trade. And, and what was weird about that was 
Scott Gomez was a very good player for a lot of years in the NHL in, in New Jersey, a very good two-way player, good speed. Um, but he had, he had signed that big free agency contract with the Devils. And I, I wouldn't say didn't, well, I wouldn't say didn't play well, but I don't think lived up to, to the, to that contract. And, you know, to the point where this was one of the first, you know, in, in early in the cap era where we were starting to realize, wait a second, a good player with a bad contract is not a good asset. And you know, what, what right. do the devils do with this guy? Like, do they have to move him? Is there, you know, is there a way out of this? Is there, you know, do, is it a buyout? It was, um, you know, a lot of that was going on. This is around the same time. There had been like the, the Danny Briere deal and Wade Redden and, and contracts like that. And it was sort of like, oh, how can they, how can they get out of this? And then Montreal comes along and says, not only will we take Scott Gomez and, and get you out of this, we'll give up some pretty decent assets to make it happen, including Ryan McDonough, who was a, a well-thought-of prospect. And it probably feels like one of those where the Devils you know, probably couldn't, couldn't hit yes fast enough to, to get it done. And even at the time, a lot of people kind of looked at it going, what is Montreal doing? And, and if I remember right, I think Scott Gomez was okay in Montreal for a year or two. Like he, uh, you know, he, he, he was what they should have expected making that deal. Um, but then it went south and there was that, remember there was that long scoring drought where did Gomez score.com was, uh, was a thing and, uh, and they ended up buying him out. So just another mess of a deal. Um, Montreal. When you said Montreal fan, I thought we were going Patrick Waugh, but that one, the Scott Gomez trade, is is one that, under the circumstances, I think you can make the argument was even even worse as far as what they were doing at the time. Yeah, because that was the like you said the cap era, and, and that's when the Rangers were going all in on all those guys, right? Like uh, uh, Drury, Gomez, yep. and, you know, Bobby Holik or whoever they were bringing in, and it just it didn't it didn't work out for them. So for them to get out from under that. And hand Gomez to Montreal, and then get Ryan McDonough in return. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's mind boggling. And okay, real quick though, too, Scott Gomez. I was just looking up his his page here. Okay, after he left Montreal, this is crazy to me. After he left Montreal in 2012, he played for five other NHL teams. Do yeah. you know the five teams that no, Scott Gomez? No, for? I don't. I absolutely this is crazy. after he left Montreal. I mean. I put it this way. I know one of them is Ottawa. Yeah. And I'm in Ottawa and I have no recollection of Scott Gomez playing in Ottawa. Like it's, it's, uh, and boy, the rest of them, I, I, yeah, he had one of the strangest finishes to a career. I remember that, but uh, what, what are the teams? Because he wound up back in New Jersey at some point, I thought. He did. He he went back to New Jersey for uh, a, a full season in 14, 15, but around that, like this, I, this you know when you did your trivia last month, and you were like, "Who did this guy play yes. for or not play for?" I feel like the next time you do that, use Scott Gomez. Okay, I will. Because yep. Scott Gomez played for San Jose, played for Florida, played for St. Louis and Ottawa. Yeah, like no, who remembers Scott Gomez in St. Louis? No recollection of any of that. Uh, Florida doesn't surprise me just because I think everyone has yeah. a stop either in Florida or, or Arizona late in their careers. But uh, yeah, no, I no memory of that whatsoever. I'm guessing there's probably some Blues fans out there going, nah, I don't think Scott Gomez has ever played in St. Louis. But uh, yeah, good good player at his height, man. He was a he was a good player, but not by then. Yeah. Okay, we got a couple of other ones here that we got again from. 
from 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 people on social media. This is an interesting one too. I I I didn't even like you would probably remember this. I I I don't even remember this trade. Philadelphia Flyers make a trade. They trade Justin Williams for Danny Markov. So Tim sent us a note and saying, "You want to talk about bad deals of all time? I wish I could undo uh, trading away Justin Williams for Danny Markov." Yeah, that's a, that's that's a little bit of a deep cut, but uh, yeah, no, that was. That was the first of the Justin Williams trades, and he was so it's 2004. I'm looking at this. Uh, he's 22 years old, um, and he'd been a first round pick. He's been in the NHL for a couple of years, so it's yeah they're they're giving up on a young player before he's really had a chance to blossom. And certainly, we we all saw what what Justin Williams went on to become uh, as a as a player, especially in in those big games. Uh, I, I will take issue a little bit here. Because I feel like there's some some unspoken slander to Danny Markov happening here, yeah. and Danny Markov was freaking awesome. Danny Markov was just one of the great, crazy on and off ice characters of that era. You know, as a Leaf fan, we all remember him giving Jagger the salute. There were, I think, in like in the minor leagues, he attacked a mascot one time. Like Danny Markov was was a, a wild man, and uh, you know you. I'm not saying he was worth Justin Williams, but you got to live the Danny Markov experience for a little while. So you you got something out of it. Uh, we got another one here. And, and I, these these are the quirky things that I, I think are right up your, your alley. Okay? So mm-hmm. Brad sent us a tweet. And I guess Brad must be a St. Louis fan. Deals that I would undo. Brad says, the St. Louis Blues trading away Curtis Joseph back in the day uh, so that they would be allowed to sign Shane Corson. Yeah. So I, I looked it up. Okay. August 4th, 1995. St. Louis Blues trade Curtis Joseph and Mike Greer in exchange okay. for a first round pick who turned out to be Marty Reasoner and another first round pick the following year, which uh, was later flipped out in a subsequent deal. So they traded Curtis Joseph and Mike Greer and got two first round picks in return. And what, um, yeah, this blues fan is saying, uh, Brad, is that they now refresh my memory here. They did that so they could sign Shane Corson. If if I remember right, this was around the era where uh, you you could sign other teams' restricted free agents, but there was player compensation instead of the uh, the the automatic draft picks that we have today. And you know, for example, as to use Curtis Joseph as an example, one of the the fun bits of trivia is. When uh, when the St. Louis Blues signed Brennan Shanahan away from New Jersey and infamously lost the arbitration case and had to give up Scott Stevens, their offer had been Rod Brindamore and Curtis Joseph. So two pretty good young players just at the start of their career could have been going to New Jersey. And in fact, the offer was so good that New Jersey went, well, let's just really swing for the fences and we'll ask for Scott Stevens. And, and they got him. Um, but yeah, the uh, um, basically... They basically traded Shane Corson um, because it was it was a free agent situation where uh, yeah the, the 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 listener has it right they were essentially allowed to sign him without further compensation by making making this trade which is why the Oilers were were able to get Curtis Joseph at pretty good value even though they gave up the first round picks it was uh, you know he was a really good and well established goalie by then so um, yeah that that's a bit of a tough one yeah, Shane Corson. 
uh, I know his his era in St. Louis was a an interesting one, and uh, they probably looking back, you'd you'd rather hold on to Curtis Joseph, especially when you see him in Edmonton stealing playoff series against the the Dallas Stars a few years later. So we like I said, we got a whole bunch of those um, kind of you know you go back and undo and I, every look. One thing we want to say is I know we focused on some ones there from whether the Habs or St. Louis. I I think it's fair to say every franchise in the NHL has at least five trades. If your if your team is at least you know 10, 15, 20 years old, at least like I'd say like the Minnesotas and the Columbuses would be included. In this you have at least five like regrettable deals that you, you would have a great debate over a beer with your buddies of, no, I'd like to undo. No, you could like, even we we're talking earlier with Vancouver fans about, you know, you gave away Cam Neely. Well, there's other deals, right. In that franchise's history that mm-hmm. you're like, Ooh, what have you done here? Or you know, every, Toronto- every team's got a few that are yeah. just terrible. And, and here's the thing. It's one of those things. Every team thinks every fan base thinks their team has more of these deals than anyone else. Yeah. Every team thinks that they're, and every fan thinks their team is the one that's always on the losing end of these deals. And uh, it's, you know, that's that's how it works, right? That's how we remember this stuff. So one other thing we wanted to do kind of with the what if game here, and again, we're, we're kind of got a deals-centric uh, edition of the podcast today, looking at deals and trades. Now, one, one thing I, we want to throw out here, okay? Now, what about, and you talked about this earlier, that uh, that Hartford was kind of sniffing around Tamu Solani, right? So. What about one of these trades that almost happened that didn't? So whether, you know, you've heard like a Wayne Gretzky was super close to being traded to Vancouver or, you know, even Toronto, I think it was at one point in the mix. Like there's a lot of deals that like they got to the the finish line, but just didn't quite get over. What What's the one for you that, you know, I heard this trade was going to happen and it just fell apart. But boy, would that have been really cool to watch it, uh, watch it play out. All right, I, I'm gonna go with my number one pick here, but you feel free to stop me because I feel like I might. There's a chance I might be stepping on your toes on this. Oh, one. I know it, it's 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 uh, Eiserman to Ottawa, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You got it. You got it. Was that the one you were gonna use, or can yeah, I? Yeah, because can I, can I take it? Yeah, no, no, and and it's a good one because I think you start to ask yourself: Do the Detroit Red Wings win Stanley Cups if you swap out? Steve Eiserman for Alexi Yashin, right? So so this is the mid-90s. It's it's 95, 96-ish. The Red Wings have been very, very good in the regular season for years, but they're just they're not getting over the hump in the playoffs. And, you know, they've lost the 95 final, got swept, and and it's it's, you know, a lot like you you see in, you know, Toronto or Colorado now, where, you know, people are going, oh, there's just something missing from this team. I don't know if they they can this core is really a championship core. And at some point, as unbelievable as it would be to fans today to hear us say this, they apparently decided that the solution was we got to trade Steve Eisenman. You can't win with Steve Eisenman. Steve Eisenman is just not, he's just not a winner. And of course, that's ridiculous. He's now viewed as you know one of the most legendary winners of all time. But back then, uh, he was that era's like Joe Thornton or, you know, that sort of guy. Just couldn't get, couldn't get it done with them and they were going to trade him. And he's a local guy in Ottawa. So Ottawa jumped to the front of the line, said, yeah, you know, we're, we're interested. And some people, you know, it's whether, was it a rumor? Was it closer than that? There's a lot of reports that say that this, this got really close and that the, the key to the deal was basically going to be Eisman going to Ottawa and Alexi Yashin plus 
coming over to Detroit. And in some versions of the story, Chris Osgood's involved as well, and maybe Damien Rhodes, and, and who knows. But the main thing was it was Steve Eisenman was going to go home to Ottawa, and Alexi Yashin was going to be the centerpiece going to Detroit. So again, just to, to, to reiterate, an NHL team apparently said, you know what we need to do to win is we need to swap out Steve Eisenman and bring in Alexi Yashin. Uh, and, and in fact, our, our uh, buddy Chris Stevenson in his book about the Senators, he, he reported that they literally had a plane on the tarmac ready to go, ready to fly down to Detroit to pick up Steve Eiserman because the deal was done. And it's, uh, you know, in, in some version of the story, it's, it's Eiserman who says no. And in some versions, it's Detroit ownership and, and, you know, who knows, but it, it falls apart at the last minute and the deal never happens. But that's another fun one to, you know. not very fun probably for for Red Wings fans, but to sit there and say, you know, what happens? It's easy to look at it and go that Detroit never wins anything without Steve Eiserman, and especially with Alexi Yashin. We know know, he he had a reputation as being a guy who was poisoned in the dressing room. Maybe not, though. Remember, Detroit had more Russians and, you know, more uh, acceptance of that style than any other team. Maybe Alexi Yashin goes to Detroit and fits in perfectly, but uh, uh, who knows what Steve Eiserman does in Ottawa. You take Yashin out of Ottawa, that means there's no Chara Spezza deal a, a few years later. There's no Mike Milbury giving Alexi Yashin uh, $90 million or whatever it was. Um, but I think the main thing is I, I'm pretty sure you can take those take those Stanley Cups out of out of Detroit because without Steve Eiserman, the, the wings just aren't the wings. Yeah, and I wonder too, what would Steve Eiserman have been like in Ottawa, late 90s, into the early 2000s, Battle of Ontario. Now you've got Iserman. And, That's you know, right. It, yeah. it's, 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 it's really interesting. Does he, really. does he have that late career transformation, uh, you know, into the defensive player? Does that even, I mean, remember Ottawa, this is, you know, 95, 96. Ottawa was a, a complete mess back then. They were just a disaster of a franchise. It's, you know, it's possible that, that Iserman lasts a couple of years and says, get me out of here. Um who knows? There's there's a lot of different ways that could go, uh, and you know, not to mention, geez, if Chris Osgood's in the, in the trade too, then uh, I mean, you're you're wiping out huge swath of uh, Red Wings history. So that that's definitely one I would imagine their fans do not want to be thinking about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So, earlier we talked about, you know, the the trajectory of the Eric Lindros stuff in relation to Tom Curvers and Niedermeyer and all that stuff. As we do the, hey, the the deals that almost happened. What, like, let, just for a second, let's expand on if the Rangers got Eric Lindros, okay? So just mm-hmm. to reset the story, 
both the Rangers and the Flyers think they've traded for successfully and they've got Eric Lindros. And um, uh, that that was in the offseason of 92. Never went through. The arbitrator ruled in, in favor of the Flyers. The rumor says, Sean, that the deal was, I think, as follows. Or at least we could agree upon some of the, you know, the, the, the principles. That the yeah. Rangers would have given up uh, goaltender John Van Beesbrook uh, forward Tony Amante, who you got to remember, Amante was like a runner-up for the Calder Trophy, ended up with a very good career. Uh, Doug Waite, who was a very prized prospect, right, in the organization, ended up being a, you know, legitimate number one centerman for a good chunk of his career. Uh, Alexei Kovalev, who was a talented guy. Uh, and then the $15 million cash. Do the Rangers win the Stanley Cup in 1994 if they all of those pieces are out and Eric Lindros is in? It's it's hard to say. I mean, uh, it's it, and I, I probably not. I mean, because to win a Stanley Cup, even back then, you just need so many pieces to click and into the right place at the right time. And you take that many pieces away. I'm not sure you do. Now, the flip side is it, it would have been fascinating to see what Eric Lindros could have been in New York. Because remember, when he came in, everybody said this guy's the next Messier, you know, plus, and to have him with Mark Messier, because they, they had acquired him the year before, uh, th- that would have been a pretty unstoppable, you know, to, I mean, imagine, imagine being the second line center and you're Eric Lindros, uh, that, that would have been a pretty unbelievable combination, but not a lot of depth around it. Uh, I, I imagine they probably would have been very active bringing guys in to, to supplement and, and to, to play with those two guys. And it wouldn't have been a hard sell, but uh, it's hard to say. I mean, th- those are, you're talking some key pieces of a cup team. You take that away, it's it's up in the air. Uh, one other one that I saw, uh, you know, I Googled before we we dropped this podcast, I Googled the, um, you know, uh, NHL deals that almost happened or didn't quite mm-hmm. happen. This is what I didn't know until I, I looked it up. And maybe, again, you're so good with this stuff. Maybe you remember I, I probably wrote half those articles yeah, when you Googled exactly. this stuff. I, 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 yeah. I don't know who this that, yeah. Sean McIndoe guy is, but yeah, what was, I don't what was down goes Brown. Nobody, nobody remembers that. Yeah. Uh, Pavel Datsuk almost went to the New Jersey Devils in 2007. Yeah. We're back uh, to the Scott Gomez uh, situation. It, yeah, and it was for Scott. Fox Sports Detroit reporting it was almost a done deal. It was basically, it sounded like it was almost a one-for-one one deal that would have sent Pavel Datsuk to the Devils in exchange for Scott Gomez. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, it, again, Makes you wonder, Detroit wins the Stanley Cup the fu- that year, right? 2008. They yep. get back to another cup in 2009. Pavel Datsu kind of carves out this niche as being one of the best two-way players in the game. Uh, what happens if Pavel Datsu goes to New Jersey and Scott Gomez goes to Detroit? It's it's a real interesting one because, you know, as much as, again, like to, to somebody today, you go, oh, wow, Detroit would be crazy to do that. At the time, those were two very similar players. This is, you know, Gomez... This was, he's heading into his last year, I think, in uh, in New Jersey. So the contract is almost up. Datsuk is in the same boat. His contract's almost up. They're both going to want more money. Both teams aren't sure if they can sign the guy. Gomez is still a, a pretty good player. Datsuk is a pretty good player, but he hasn't blown up yet. He hasn't, I think this is the year before he has like the 90-something point season uh, and then has a couple years of that production. So they're very considered very similar players. And it's sort of a situation where, they play the same position. They play a similar style. They're a similar age, and they're in the same contract situation. And eventually, two teams look at each other, going, I, "Should I trade my headache for your headache?" And you know, maybe that that's our way out of this. 
And it was reported to be something that was talked about. I don't know if it was close, but it was uh, was something that was uh, considered. And yeah, I mean, in hindsight, assuming things played out the same way, it would have been a, a big loss for Detroit because Datsuk was about to take the next step to become not just a very good player, but a, an elite player. And and Gomez was getting pretty close to taking a step back. Um, but at the time, there there wasn't any way to know that. And it it would have been a deal that would have made a lot of sense, but yeah, probably costs Detroit uh, a Stanley Cup in two thousand and eight. Okay, so one other thing we wanted to do, and I, I love this 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 part of it too. Okay, is you you said hey when we're doing this this show about uh, deals and you know trades, one thing we should do is what's one trade that never was on the table, but that we feel like you know that would have been a good trade. And that could have helped out both teams. And like, I remember you did a column on this, not, or uh, you touched on this. At one point, I recall you, there was Marcel Dion was involved in, in a trade. Do you remember this? And I think you said he goes to the Habs. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Somebody asked me, (laughs) I'm trying to remember. It was in a mailbag. Somebody asked me like to, to redo a deadline deal and, and that would be a win-win. And yeah, I think I sent. Marcel Dion to the Habs right before they they won their cup in 86 when he was still a real good player. And uh and I gave the Kings a, a draft pick that turned into somebody. I think I literally looked that maybe? up. Eric Deschardin? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay, it could have been that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh um, but yeah, that was one of those uh fun ones where I kind of went uh let me let me find it here. I got it uh yeah. somebody, sorry, I, yeah, I so somebody throw- said yeah. Pick a star who's never won a cup and go back in time and find a moment they would have been traded. Who do you trade? And 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 yeah, it was Marcel Dion. Yeah. Uh as as the greatest player, I think a lot of us feel to never win a Stanley Cup. Um, and I said, yeah, you flip him to uh the to the Canadians in 87. And the Kings send Dion to the No, at the 86 deadline. Yeah. So 80, yeah. so he gets there in time for their 86 cup. I mean. The Montreal Canadiens had been trying to get Marcel Dion his entire career. They had had the choice between him and Lafleur. They had tried to trade for him in a few times. Um, you know, we we know Montreal French Canadian stars. Uh, this is uh, this is a no brainer for them. That that Montreal team they had Patrick Waugh. They weren't very good offensively though. And this was like the Mats Naslund era. Uh, <laughs> so they you know he could be their their number one guy. Um, so uh, yeah, and I that's right. I gave that was my deadline deal. Dion from LA to Montreal, and the Habs give up their second round pick in the '87 draft, and that ends up being Eric Desjardins. And the beauty of that for the Kings is not only was Eric Desjardins a really good player, but if you've got Eric Desjardins on the Kings, that means he's not on the '93 Habs to score that hat trick in Game Two that turns that entire thing around. I think maybe the Kings get the cup in '93. So you're trading cup for cup, getting uh, Marcel Dion's name on the big trophy. Uh, and undoing a, a pretty painful moment in LA history. I like that one a lot. I totally forgot about yeah. it. Um, but yeah, whoever and, this guy writing this mailbag is, he did a good job on that one. I like it a lot. And then it makes you wonder, do both the Dion brothers end up with a cup with Montreal? Because Gilbert Dion. That's right, yeah. Ended up the the a Dion cup brothers who were like somehow like 25 years apart in age. So yeah. maybe end up uh, both both on there. Yeah, maybe one costs the other one the cup. Maybe that's how that works. Yeah, it's so funny because you always think like I remember when Gilbert Dion broke into the league, and you're you're like, what do you mean this is Marcel's brother, right? Yeah, like, it's his son. No, no, it's son, his brother, nephew. What are we? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. 
Oh man. Like, very strange I, I, one. It was it yeah. was it was like the it's the NHL version of like the the two car quarterbacks uh, in in the NFL where you're like, well, any oh, yeah. what do you mean? What are you talking about? They're oh, David Carr's son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good, good for him. Yeah. Oh man. Now, what about okay? So that was one that you inadvertently didn't even realize that you had put that out into the public. Realm. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you threw that at me because I'm going to cheat a little bit on this, uh, and I hope I'm not hanging you out to dry. But uh, because it, the one I have is not totally fictional, but I'm at the point now where I'm going to say this is fictional because it has been reported, and and maybe some people have heard it. Um, but I just the more and more I think about it, I refuse to believe that this was ever a serious. Uh, uh, consideration, but I wish it was because this would have been absolutely wild. It's 2009, um, and uh, there is a rumor that uh, Vincent LeCavalier is going to be traded by Tampa. Oh, and yeah. who's in the middle of it? Of course, no. Well, again, Montreal it's a French Canadians. star. Of course, it's Montreal, and apparently, uh, or at least allegedly, by 2009, the two teams had agreed on a trade that was going to send. Vincent LeCavier to Montreal. And in return, the package was, okay, imagine you're Tampa and you could choose uh, from these, these assets, okay? P.K. Subban, Max Pacioretty, Carey Price, and a first-round pick. Whoa. Those all sound pretty crazy to give up for Vincent LeCavier. Here's the thing. According to the story, it wasn't take your pick. It was, <laughs> it was all awful. four of those things. Whoa. It was a package deal. Price, so Car- Subban, Pacioretty, and a first round. Yeah. And remember, this is a young Carey Price. He's he's 22, I think, at this point, not even established as as the starter. P.K. Subban's a prospect. Uh, Pacioretty is is young in his career. So you're basically trading your three, three of your best young players and a first round pick to get Vincent LeCavier, who is an established star and, you know, a superstar in the league. Um, and it's, it's still, it's such an overpay, and obviously it blows up everything that we know about the Montreal Canadiens, and, and we now know that LeCavier was was kind of done as a, a, a really elite player. Um, and it's the sort of thing, it's so unbelievable that when people hear it, you go, what's the source for this? Like, are we like are we, are we we pulling out like an Eklund rumor? Like, what is going on? There's no <laughs> way. Well, here's the source, okay? It, it's a guy who I guess might know, uh, a guy named Brian Lawton, who was the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning at the time. And he has told this story in a couple of places saying that this was the deal. So it, far be it for me to say that a guy who was the GM of one of the teams isn't telling the truth. I, I'm just at the point where I'm going, you know what? I think all of us, our human nature, when it comes to big things that, that you know, decisions we could have made in our lives, we tend to look back charitably. I'm not saying those names never came up. I'm saying if Brian Lawton is saying he had all of that on the table and it didn't happen because in, in his version of the story, I, I think it's lightning ownership that says no. So Brian Lawton goes to the owners and says, I have this deal. I want to make it. And the owners say no. And that's why it falls apart. So I think it's awfully convenient for Brian Lawton to be able to tell that story and say, I would have had the all time haul, the all time great trade. And my owner said, no, um, it, it's just, it's, too good to be true for everyone who's not a Habs fan. And, uh, you know, if you are a Habs fan and you're sitting there going, geez, I had to listen to you guys talk about Patrick. Why? I had to listen to you talk about Scott Gomez. Like, here's here's your redemption is that this deal that was, according to Brian Lawton, was actually not only on the table, but agreed to, uh, didn't actually end up happening. Oh, man. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, four 
legitimate. Like, cause then you That's, see the it's stuff. It's insane. That, yeah. Right? Like you it's, see it's what Jack Eichel was, was traded for now in 2021 and then go back and imagine, uh, let's say the Habs were in the running for, for Jack Eichel. Like imagine that that's what they offered up at them. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's nutty. It, it, and I mean, consider that Tampa eventually had to buy out Vincent Lacazette. Right. It cost him, cost him a fortune. I, I mean, they, it, it, this, this sounds ridiculous to say about a team that went on to play in a cup final a few years later and has won multiple cups since then. But I, like, I think Tampa's better. They still have young Steven Stamkos. Remember that picture of Steven Stamkos and PK Subban as little <laughs> kids? Yeah. From now uh, they're from on the, the lightning. Yeah. And Carey Price and Max Patrick. I mean, it just would have been uh, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Um, which is why it's, I, I'm at the point, I've written about it a few times. And every time I do, people go, don't write about that. There's no way. And I go, yeah, but what if there is? I'm kind of at the point now where I go, you know what? It is too good to be true. There's, there's no way that was an actual deal on the table. You know, one deal that I always thought, and, I, and I'm going to stick the knife into Habs fans here again, um, one more time, is Patrick Waugh. Like, when they traded him to the Avalanche, okay? Like, I always thought about Philadelphia. You know, if you think of the Flyers and their goaltending problems, like, like imagine if Patrick Waugh got traded to Philadelphia there in 95-96, because given the package uh, Montreal got in return, it's not like the Flyers would have to give have given up Lindros or LeClaire or Brindamore, or, right? Like, they could have probably mm-hmm. gotten, I don't know, like I'm looking at their roster from 95, 96, and I'm like, you probably could, maybe you would have had to give up Michael Renberg and maybe like Pat Falloon, uh, but that's about it. Like I've always, I, I, I guess Pat I would have wondered. Wow, we had Pat Falloon. Like, yeah. but I would, I would have wondered, like, what would have happened if the arguably the greatest goalie of all time went to the one market that eats up goalies alive? Like, would, would the, would yeah. the Flyers have won a Stanley Cup with Patrick Waugh and Eric Lindros? Like I like I always wondered like what would have happened like I I like one of these all time Hall of Fame goalies at their peak if they went yep. to Philly would they get chewed up and spit out or would they have thrived and then it would have been the actual we could actually put it to the test is it a the goalie graveyard yeah the immovable object object yeah exactly <laughs> exactly what happens wow I think yeah I man I don't know I I. First of all, I mean, we are twisting the knife on Habs fans because now they're right. sitting there thinking about, oh, yeah, mid-90s trades with the Flyers. Let's look at that roster. Oh, there's John LeClaire. Hey. Yeah, there's Desjardins. Yeah, okay, Desjardins. that went really well for us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, man, that would have been a heck of a test, eh, to see uh, what could happen in Philadelphia. One of the greatest goaltenders of all time. My goodness. And, you know, of course, the the biggest thing I think we can all agree is is the – the biggest historical uh, change is that if you do make that trade, that means it's Patrick Waugh coming down the ice to fight Felix Potvin instead of Ron Hextel oh, a few months later. Yes. Which, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago. That's, uh, I mean, there you go. That's the, you put a bow on that. I, I think that's why the trade didn't happen. It was just too, it would have been too, too unbelievable. Yeah. One, one Hextel on the same team, I think would have been, uh, uh, that would have made practice fun at least. Oh man, uh, you think Waugh and Hex on the same team? What about the scenario you just laid out? I'm now thinking of Carey Price and Andre Vasilevsky being a goalie duo for some period of time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Just yeah. That 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 would have been okay. I feel like that team would have been fine, especially when you know that's what Ben Bishop, which I you know I saw all your Senators fans are still hurting over that uh, the Corey Conacher deal. That's another one that came up a ton of times. 
man, every every fan base has so many of these, and it's uh, it's I, I I know we're missing a bunch, and I know when uh, you know once once people hear this, I could just see the tweets are going to come in. Well, what about this? What about that? What about this terrible trade that my my dumb team made? Uh, it's uh, it's it's part of the fun of being a sports fan and a hockey fan. Yeah. Okay. Last one I'm going to throw at you on the fictitious deals that kind of, you know, never happened or whatever. Everyone always says the Boston Bruins in 2005 just didn't let people know that Joe Thornton was available, right? Like, isn't mm-hmm. that the, the, the consensus is that, uh, Michael Connell, Con- oh, yeah, Michael Connell was the GM, right? At the time. I think so. Yeah. In, yep. in, in Boston. And that he just alerted a handful of teams and it makes you wonder like, like what, what could have the Bruins gotten in return if they were like, hey, just an FYI, everyone, Joe's available and anyone can have him at any price. And uh, like, you know, I like, the, I, okay, here's the team I think of in the what if game on Joe Thornton, okay? Mm-hmm. Calgary Flames. Remember, Ooh. Calgary had gone to the Stanley Cup final before the lockout. So they had been to the most recent Stanley Cup. But what was yep. like the number one knock on Calgary back then? Like, ah, like Craig Conroy is their number one center or like, yeah. is it Damon Lankow? Like they didn't yep. have that guy. So now I'm fantasizing about Joe Thornton and Jerome McGinley together. Oh my goodness. Team, yep. Right. And like, that, the beautiful thing about that trade is, you know, so many of these deals, you go, well, yeah, but what could have they given up? But San Jose didn't give up anything. So, no, you know, we'll we give you and, Chuck Kobasu or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't, know, yeah. I don't know why I found his name funny, but yeah. uh, like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, like, I, I guess I'm thinking like imagine if he was open for anybody and a team that it just felt like Calgary was desperate for a number one centerman. Mm-hmm. They were on the precipice, right? And like that was Fanuf's rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. Like when he was he was, you know, he was just dynamite. Yes, like, I think they, so. Yeah. They had a good year. team. Mika Kiprasov in his prime. Could the Calgary Flames have gotten Joe Thornton and maybe been a you know, maybe been a Stanley Cup contender and maybe not have wasted, you know, because it kind of felt like the next Seven or eight years, they kind of toyed with mediocrity. Like we're in, we're out, yeah, we're out. And yeah, they, that was kind and of they the never thing. knew. Yeah, I think Thornton yeah. changes that. The, you know what? That's that's a real good one. I like that one a lot. The, the the big one with Thornton is always the Ducks because Brian Burke. Remember a few years ago, he said something to, along the lines that that they didn't know or that they were in the mix, and he talked about what the offer in vague terms could have been, and people were able to piece together what they what they thought it was, but. um yeah, I like that man. Just Joe Thornton and Jerome McGinley together. Oh my goodness! See, you talk about two guys. I mean, we saw what uh, Joe Thornton did with uh, in San Jose with with uh, Chichu, and no no disrespect to him, but yeah, put him with Jerome McGinley. Oh my goodness, that would be uh, that would have been unstoppable. Yeah, no, phenomenal. Listen, um, we'll we'll end the the podcast here. Look, and we usually do this week in hockey history, but we kind of felt like this entire episode was like a. Yeah. A little trip <laughs> yeah. back in time, right? This whole thing was a this week in hockey history. Exactly. Uh, so we'll get back to that uh, coming up here when we uh, kind of flip the calendar over to December and stuff. But uh, uh, listen, this was a lot of fun. The the kind of, again, with with uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, doing the deal-related show. But we got to cut you loose because what, what, you got to head out to a, a spot to, to line up for a DVD player, Blu-ray disc. Maybe that's Laser right. Disc? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get. I, I got a good uh, a good lead on a beta Max. So uh, I think that it's uh, that's where I <laughs> that's yeah. where I'm gonna spend my my dollars. Oh, I, I just remember thinking now when I think about it, it was such a big deal back in the day. Did you ever have one of those combination? It was a a, a CD player, but also played cassette tapes, like a 
Yeah, stereo. absolutely. Was, yeah, My 16th that was birthday, like, man. <laughs> that was yeah. Like you me. could copy your CDs to the yeah. tape. It was great. Yeah, oh yeah, it was fantastic. That oh, was yeah. uh, that was wow. We j- we just uh, really made ourselves sound old, yeah. and uh, that's that's depressing. No, it's funny. My my wife and I were getting like a new TV. And we're looking at the stand that we have, and she's like, "What is that thing? That big." black box that's just sitting there and i'm like that's a dvd player and it's just got cobwebs on it and just, it's never been used it's never been used no. um but yeah if anyone if anyone needs one hit me up i i got one available yeah that's right a little giveaway next time we do uh, an episode yeah that'll there. be the next <laughs> the next uh e reader uh e listener question of the week yeah Win my DVD player and whatever I, DVD is inside. It's probably Teletubbies. But oh, I was going to say Rock'em Sock'em 8 would have been in Also there. possible. Yeah. Also possible. <laughs> awesome. Hey, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll uh, get you again next week. Want to remind you, uh, as always, you can drop us an email, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. If, you, if we missed any trades and deals that you wish that we had hit on, hit us up there. We'll, uh, we'll tackle it in our next podcast. Speaking of deals, uh, if you're not a subscriber with us on the print side, boy, do we have a deal for you. Uh, right now, through midnight on the 29th, so right through this kind of Black Friday into Cyber Monday, all of that, you're going to get the best deal of the year with us with The Athletic, okay? A dollar a month for 12 months. It's it's the best deal you're going to get with us. Again, theme of the show today was deals. We got a deal for you. So a dollar a month, 12 months. All you got to do is visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Once again, dollar a month for 12 months, just visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.